0: Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please, if you're a Facebook user, go ahead over to the Thundercast page. Give it a like so that you don't miss any of the potential contest opportunities over on that venue as well. Also, uh, take a moment, go down to the link, uh, the description, the link in the description box, and subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel uh, because everything we do here ends up over there and uh it's just another great way to enjoy our content because what's better than just listening to us for us you're looking at us too uh very 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 positive week in herd athletics especially surrounding the football program um we're going to get into everything going on but before we do all of that let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. All right, Russ. Uh, we got a lot to cover this week. Uh, we're going to split the format a little bit because there is so much. So, this particular episode, as indicated by the title, will just be five things every herd fan needs to know, and the Appalachian State slash seventy-five week weekend recap. So, let's get it started and give me those five things that every herd fan needs to know. All right, and as usual,
1: these five things every herd fan needs to know this week are brought to you by. Ignite Link, the tri-state's premier IT management team. Number one, signings galore. Now most of you may or may not know every uh, sport uh, except for football had their signing day this past week and every single sport had someone signed here at Marshall. Now we're not going to go down and give you every single name because we just don't have enough time to devote to, to each and every one of these people. We have uh, tweeted these names out. They're on herd zone. They're on Twitter at, uh, uh, at herd zone. So you can see for each individual sport, some cool little things. There's some siblings uh, on there. A um, couple of them, right?
0: Yeah. I think there were two sets of uh, at least sisters. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say like twins or anything. Twins, like yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think there were two sets of uh, sisters across the uh, athletic department.
1: Yeah, but anyway, cool little thing. These are the future martial athletes that we're going to be talking about here on the Thundercast. You're going to be watching compete. It's uh good to familiarize yourself with these names and see uh, where the sports are are going, who they signed, that sort of thing, where they signed them from. And also, as we have seen, as these signees come in, that's just new people that are listening and watching the Thundercast and hopefully get a connection to these people so we can be more connected to them as they start and grow their martial athletics careers.
0: So here's the thing as a fan, right? Uh, you get really, really excited. Most fans do about uh, football recruiting and um fairly close right behind that would be your men's basketball recruiting. And in this social media age, it's really easy to show that same kind of energy to everybody because it costs mm-hmm. 0 dollars to retweet, it costs 0 dollars to like. So when that, you know, announcement comes out from say the women's basketball team or the tennis team or the softball team or the baseball team, it it it's you might as well retweet that too. And because what that will do is give you some familiarity with these names. Uh, if if there is a linked social media handle in the tweet, usually Marshall doesn't do that, but if there is, uh, you should go ahead and follow them, right? Because these are our athletes now and we want to support them. And, and um, it just shows them that as a herd fan base that you care, that they decided to commit to the herd. And you're right, there were a ton. And it would take a long time to go through every single athlete. But you could probably peruse – you know, like uh, the herd Softball account, and they're going to have all of them there, just the same for all of the other sports. So mm-hmm. uh, I would encourage folks to do that uh, just to get a get a idea of, A, how big the class sizes were for some of these respective sports. And, uh, you know, B, just get a feeling for who you're going to see competing and mm-hmm. wearing that Kelly green white and black for the next, I don't know, two, three, four, five years, maybe. So there were a lot of signings. It was a really exciting weekend in that capacity alone, much less everything else that went on. That's right.
1: All right. Number two, Lydia Montague, was named second team, all
0: Sunbelt conference in volleyball. Pretty cool. Uh, We had talked about the uh, volleyball team and some of the things that were going on earlier in the season, you know, with the national leaders and things like that. So to close it out, uh, with a little bit of positivity, we've got SBC Championship Tournament coming up, or it should be starting today, I think, as we record. We're late in the week. It's, what is it, Wednesday already? Mm-hmm. Um, so this will probably be out after or right before the Sunbelt Conference Tournament kicks off, so we don't know how that's going to play. But it was a rough end you know, of the season. A little bit of positivity there for the final home uh, series. But uh, this is a great way to close out that regular season with some uh, individual awards, showing some love to uh, Lydia and the uh, herd volleyball team. We wish them a lot of luck in the SBC tournament. If, if results are in before we can get to our, you know, second part of this episode tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So uh, they're actually playing tonight at 6 PM. If we're doing around the herd on the next episode. Yeah. So we won't have that result when this gets posted. Yeah. All right. Um, number three, Marshall Athletics ranked number one in community service in the Sunbelt. We talk a lot about on the field stuff. We also like to touch the off the field stuff that these uh, student athletes are doing in the uh, classroom. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of different news about how well these different uh, teams and individuals have performed. And now this is just another cherry on the top. When recruits and especially their parents and family members are looking at this, we've already talked about how well they do in the classroom. Hey, they're getting it done out in the community as well, doing a bunch of community service.
0: Yeah, is there any real surprise here? I mean, maybe that the surprise is that they were number one in the Sunbelt, but is there really any surprise that – you know, Huntington and Marshall are so intertwined. I mean, that's just kind of who we are, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, you, you don't really have Huntington without Marshall. You don't really have Marshall without Huntington and, and all, in all, in every definition, however you want to define it, Marshall is legitimately what you would call a college town, right? It's not a pro sports town. And as I said many, many times, outside of high school sports, Marshall is really the only game in town. So the, the special connection between the two communities, which was, you know, accentuated this weekend in particular. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just no question about the relationship that, we're, that is between Marshall and Huntington. So for folks, just like we talked about, that just committed to the herd and their families may be just learning a little bit about Marshall now. Uh, this is one of those things to where you go, OK, uh, maybe I really, really can get behind this, especially, you know, when we're not talking about on field performance and team performance. We're looking at the the community as a whole. It's just a special place, man. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, I get to call it home. I really do.
1: Yeah. And a little side note and a precursor to what we're going to have coming up within the next couple of weeks. Some of this you can tie back into the NIL thing that we have going on, the Thunder Trust. And we're going to have a representative from the Thunder Trust on here so we can tell you and have them actually tell you more about what they do and how they do it. But I think it's pretty daggone cool that they tie community service into that as well, uh, because these athletes, one, already want to do it. But it just it it helps the community grow and, and really puts a shine on our athletes. All right, so number four is men's soccer is traveling to Elon for the opening round of the NCAA tournament. That'll be tomorrow at 6 p.m. This is the fourth consecutive time that they have gone to the NCAA tournament, and that ties, as far as I know, a Marshall record for straight uh, consecutive tournament appearances in any sport.
0: Yeah, this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Some folks... (laughs) I guess from other schools will still scoff and wow. Wow. Four times. Great. You know what? So what, you got to start somewhere. And Mm -hmm. here here we are. Some of those schools didn't make it this year, you know, and here we are still standing, but anytime you can do, make this sort of, uh, run, you know, it's four years now, how many weeks has it been in the top 25 consecutively? I mean, this is, this is a big deal. And we've talked about it over and over and over about what has been built here. Um, uh, with the men's soccer program it's something to really be proud of. And I can't sit here and tell you that I can uh, watch a soccer game and know the intricacies and the nuances of the game. I don't view it like someone that played soccer, but I can still appreciate what's being done with my herd and the successes that's uh, being built both again on and off the field and once you make the field, that's all it takes. You got a chance to win it if you make the field. So if we get hot, you know, we're capable of doing that. We know we can, we're capable of going, you know, uh, goal for goal with anybody in the country. You're in the field. You can win the damn thing now. This is really great.
1: Let me put it in a little bit of context for people. Everyone likes to talk about the heyday of Marshall, mm-hmm. especially right before they moved up. I mean, it's kind of the precursor to the heyday. Uh, that just continued on. But especially the, like, 90 through 96, you had two national championships in there, one the very last year when we were what was then known as 1AA and now FCS. But year after year, going on runs in the tournament, sometimes making the title game, uh, I think maybe they had three different title games in there, uh, and two that they won on top of those other three where they finished runner-up. This is... Four straight right now. Looks like with their signing class and the people that they're bringing back, I mean, no chance of slowing down, barring barring something crazy. You've got a national championship in there, four straight runs in the tournament. This year is not over yet to see how far they go in the tournament. It's eerily similar, but this is at the highest uh, point of Marshall's, I mean, of the uh, athletic for that sport to be in – The Division One, that's it. There's no other class for this. They're not in a second class. Not to take anything away from what Marshall was doing, but they weren't playing Alabama and Georgia and all those teams in football. And this is very special what they're doing here. Other teams that would do this, you said they may scoff at it for four straight times. Still, that would have to be the elite of the elite Mm -hmm. because who doesn't have an off year every now and then Uh, where, I mean, they could have gone one more additional loss this year. They might not have made it. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: This is extremely special. We're we're blessed to have this team right now and Grassy as a coach. And again, it does not look like they're slowing down.
0: Nope. And it, it actually looks like the trajectory is continuing to climb. You can't look at these things and go, well, you know, you didn't win the title the very, you didn't repeat as champ. So you're obviously going downhill. That's just not how it works.
1: How, how many teams can say that they have back to back or three in a row or
0: two out of three. I mean, but not- As long as you're putting yourself in a position to compete for that title, you're still there. You're still yeah. at that echelon. It's, it's when you start going, you know, gaps of seasons without contending for a, a, A college cup then then you can go all right well we dipped a bit but we're not dipping right now we're still climbing yeah we're going to round out with number five we've been talking about it on our
1: social media we've had some people do this and from watching the game on espn plus i saw that quite a few did but also saw some people in the stands seemingly still trying to figure it out so we're going to talk about it a little bit more what are we talking about Download the Herd Zone app. Go to your app store on your phone, download that app, and then we have a video that we have shown how to navigate that app to go all the way to the, click the menu button in the top left, go all the way down. There's a new section called Herd Lights. KD, tell us about it.
0: Yeah, it's a really cool feature that was added to the Herd Zone app, which, by the way, is a free download in and of itself. Get the freaking Herd Zone app. Before I even go to herd lights, it gives you everything. You can even buy tickets from the Herd Zone app. You get a great schedule, you can customize it to whatever sports you like to follow. I pretend I, I would recommend you follow all, obviously. But back to Herd Lights. All you got to do is click the menu, scroll to the bottom, you'll see the tab, Herd Lights. Click it. All you got to do is give it a few permissions to use features on your phone, like lights and the microphone, so it can pick up the sound from the sound system. And what it's going to do is sync once you're in the building, once you're in the cam, it's going to sync with the sound system to provide a custom light show using your phone and every other fan's phone that has set up the herd lights feature to provide a customized intro for basketball games or any other events that they want to use the herd lights feature for. It could be volleyball. It could be, you know, whatever, any just side event that's going on in the cam. So please do that and take part because, hey, the more folks that we have that have that feature enabled, the cooler it's going to look. Now, do it now. If you're listening to it right now, just go ahead and download it right now. It takes maybe 20 seconds to set up. What you're not going to want to do is forget about it and try to be sitting in your seat in the cam and then try to set it up because, well, we all know how cell service is in those buildings. So do it now. Just download it, click it, set it up. Couple buttons you push, boom, you're set. Now all you got to do is enter the building and open the app when it's time to get things going. You'll be ready to roll. But that is a super cool feature Uh, Very interactive, provides uh, a lot of enhancement to your herd game day. And who knows, maybe at some point down the road, maybe next year, maybe it's something they'll be able to incorporate into the football games. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm just speculating. Mm -hmm. But uh, for now, you know, in the in the cam, you can provide a really cool um, accent to the game day experience just by downloading the free app.
1: Yeah, so what I saw as the camera panned, I was unfortunately not able to go. I dropped you off at the airport, and then I had to get mm-hmm. back and help help with the kids. I uh, wasn't able to go to the game, but as a family, we sat down and watched, watched the basketball game. And during that pregame, you could hear Thunderstruck was one of the uh, songs that was played in the background. Very cool to see all the lights. But as the camera was showing, you saw some fans, like groups of fans, seemingly trying to download or give permissions and all that stuff it was a little bit too late Mm -hmm. and what we also saw or i picked up on was there were some that seemingly just turned on their flashlight thinking that maybe that was it because it was a static flashlight where everyone else's was flashing to the beat uh so perhaps they didn't know about it so Please, not only do this, spread the word to everyone that you know. Anyone that is going to the basketball, volleyball, anything in the cam, we know they can do it there. They can turn the lights down, give it a great atmosphere. Look, guys, the the players themselves were just staring and looking around to see all this light show going on. It's super cool. It's cheap, i.e. free. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, so do it. You know, all you got to do, give give uh, permission for your camera and your uh, your microphone so it can pick up what's going on and it'll do it all itself. You just hold your phone up.
0: Yep. I just went back through my timeline there, our timeline and retweeted that tweet once again. So it's pushed back to the top of everyone's feed if you happen to follow the Thundercast. And I'll continue to do that, you know, um, from time to time until we get enough folks that uh, have that done. But that's a super cool feature and it's free. I don't know why, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it.
1: Well, that wraps up everything with five things every herd fan needs to know this week. And as usual brought to you by ignite link,
0: ignite link. Those guys are just awesome. Uh, I had an opportunity to spend a little bit of time with them, of course, because I was in for the football game. It's always good to get some face-to-face time with, with Jed. And I even saw Josh there for a minute or two, just great folks. And we can't thank them enough for continuing to sponsor five things. Every herd fan needs to know. And help us uh produce and power Thundercast Live which by the way was awesome this week. I went back and watched it. Uh and and that was a good one, man. It was very entertaining despite the fact we were freezing our butts off. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did that chili look? Uh well, I mean, we're going to have to do something to get get the camera angles. It's, it's hard for you to gauge when you
1: can... I, didn't, I didn't want to dump the chili out, you know, it was one, <laughs> one to do. So <laughs>
0: I tell you what, I got a great view of your sleeve. I'll put it that way. Good, good. But no, That's it what was, I wanted. It was a very cool um, Thundercast Live. For those that uh, tuned in live and watched it, I bet they were entertained. Um, you know, having uh former herd wide receiver punt return man DeAndre Reeves and his son Julian stop by. And just talk with us for a little while was a lot, or was it Julius? Is it Julius? Julius. Julius. Sorry, Julius. I'll get it right next time. Uh, we uh, we had a great uh, conversation talking about seventy five week and and talking about what it means to uh, play at Marshall, and yeah. um, it was just cool. It was a really really awesome impromptu type moment. You know, we knew DeAndre was in town, but we didn't know. You know, game days are hectic, man. People are all yeah. over the place, and it was cool for him to be able to stop by and and uh, really gracious of him to spend some time with us uh, and talk about the herd. But, look, we had a killer week. Oh, yeah, you got one more thing? I,
1: I just want to say, you know, DeAndre did that, but we have other athletes that stop in, you know, former athletes. So if you're in the area and you're listening to us and you know, uh, you know we've got one more home game, if you're going to be there and you want to be on the show, just reach out to us. We'd love yeah. to have you on
0: yeah uh we're of course in the new c lot and if you still don't know where that's at it's directly behind the end zone uh caddy corner type from the west lot i mean we're a stone's throw away from the m club tent uh, or, or gazebo not a tent yeah. and uh, right across from mcdonald's you can't miss it uh stop on by say what's up grab uh something to eat and something to drink and we'll talk and If we happen to be recording, we'd love to hear what you have to say, especially since this one's going to be senior day coming up. Mm -hmm. So uh, everybody's probably got a fond memory of their senior day. So we'd be glad to talk to you about that and get some personal insight. DeAndre gave us some great insight about 75 week things, that you know, we as fans would just not know unless uh, you were a former player that is now a fan, but anyway, great weekend. I must say, even from the flight in, uh, it was, it was a great weekend for me personally. Of course I got to come into town. Uh, I wanted to be there for this one. And man, I think I hit the lottery as far as it goes, uh, picking the right weekend to come great game, very engaging game. Uh, I hadn't been this involved. I felt like in a game in a long time, I felt like I was, uh, really sucked into every play. Like what was, I was hanging on every play, uh, the, the tailgate scene was good despite it being cold and rainy. I didn't care. I did not care. I had a great flight. I set, uh, I, I hung out in the air, airport there before our flight waiting to board with uh, Talit Keaton's mom. Shout out, Carol. How you doing? Great to meet you and hang out this weekend. Also, we were on the same row of the plane on our flight back, so we spent a little bit more time chatting it up. But uh, it, was, it was just an overall great, great weekend. Let's talk about the game, Russ. App State comes to town, historic rival. You know, more than 20 meetings, 25-plus meetings between these two teams going all the way back to, I think, 1976 or 1977. So you've got that historic rivalry being renewed in a conference fashion. We've played the last two years in a non-conference fashion, and those games were phenomenal. This one meant a little bit more, seeing that it's now a Sunbelt Conference game. 75-week, we talked about that. There's no... Um, no shortage of emphasis that goes on this particular game from just about every single herd fan coach former player player everyone associated with marshall puts a circle around this game and it's not because app state was on the schedule it's because of the week that it is this was also marshall's first ever home sunbelt conference win which another feather in the cap this gets the herd to Bowl eligibility, which we've talked about upon a technicality with this waiver because of the shakeup with this game in particular, going from out of conference to a conference game. And the herd's now on a two game Sun Belt Conference win streak. So you got to love that. Overall, at the end of the day, it was a 28 to 21 herd victory, moving Marshall to six and four on the season, three and three in the Sun Belt Conference, now third, tied for third in the Sun Belt Conference East Division, looking up at Coastal Carolina who has clinched the east, James Madison who you know can't really win anything unfortunately which is kind of like the biggest load of crap out there. Uh there's there's no real need for a transition type thing in this day and age and the herds looking up currently at Georgia State who's on the schedule in 2 weeks. So Russ before we get into stats real quick just talk about the uh the weekend, the game day uh and then we'll You know, I'll I'll run through all this myriad of stats and we'll get into grades and some deep dive conversation.
1: Well, first, always good to have my brother KD coming in. Um, Had a really good weekend. Able to have you there at the tailgate with me. Game was awesome. Uh, The atmosphere for the 75-week, the tribute game. um, Notice we are not calling it a memorial moving forward. It is a tribute. Helmets, uniforms, the game, the result, every single thing about it, except I needed it about 60 degrees warmer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that would have been it. That would have been a great weekend. It was really nice. I mean, we're going to talk about some some things that went right and went wrong in the game itself, obviously. But for an Mm -hmm. overall weekend, I don't know how any Herd fan could come away from this one without any feeling other than borderline jubilation. And hey, that.
1: even even someone that came in and said, you know what, I'm going to stop by the uh, volleyball. We're going to talk about it when we go to around the herd. That'll be in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But they swept Arkansas State. So if they someone came in Friday evening and they caught the second game of that, which is free by the way, anytime that Marshall volleyball is playing, just go in the cam. Uh, they what a weekend. I mean, yeah, I, I can't think of anything that happened over the weekend uh the where Marshall lost
0: anything. Uh it was a quality weekend for Marshall University and Marshall Univer- University Athletics. Like I said, it, it, it other any feeling other than basic jubilation and pride is is hard to come away from. I don't know how you can have any ill will. I mean you can sit here and be mad that wow ah, we muffed a punt that led to a touchdown, but that doesn't take away from the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about some stats here and get into this game. And then we'll deep dive into some discussion for grades. The indicators, Russ, uh, Marshall and app kind of, it's a push. I mean, this game on paper was really, really tight. And of course the score indicated that too. But when you talk about how these teams scored, you know, it, it's a, it favors Marshall a little bit more. I think uh, total yards though, 341 for the herd 293 for app state time of possession, the Mountaineers actually nip Marshall in this category. Uh, 28-14 for the Herd, 31-46 for the Abs. Uh, first downs are a push, 17 each. Turnovers are a push, two each. Cam Fancher, um, and I, th- I think he took another step this week. With, with all that was surrounding this game, with all that was on the line, really, all these different types of – you know, bragging rights and rivalry and, you know, getting two games over 500 and, you know, bowl eligibility and all that kind of stuff. And 75, what a great game. 16 of 28, 225 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 12 carries for 37 yards, just one sack on the day. I think that might be the biggest uh, stat point there that, that is a little bit surprising. Uh, Kalen Labron, 18 carries for 53 yards, one touchdown on the ground. Charles Montgomery, Hello, Charles Montgomery. Um, We may have ourselves a legit weapon here moving forward, folks, if you haven't paid attention. Charles has been busting out a little bit more each and every week. And, man, oh, man, what an exciting play on a much-needed down and distance there to go 71 yards. Five catches, 109 yards, leads the team in yardage on the day with the long of that 71 yards. Corey Gamage continues with the emergence of this downfield passing game. Corey Gamage has emerged week in and week out as the bona fide number one that we all knew he could be. Six catches leads the team this week, 91 yards and a touchdown with a long of a 32. The opening drive, Russ, this hurt offense, 10 plays, 80 yards, touchdown drive, Beautiful chef's kiss drive It's exactly what the herd needed was to start fast and go down and get a touchdown. According uh, along with that drive, several key conversions that kept that drive going uh, for the remainder of the game. Just some gimme stats. There six of 15 on third down and several more clutch conversions where our guys fought for yards to move the change. This was a real character type game for me. Uh, this wasn't one of those uh, what you would call or what I would call like a finesse game. This was a more physical game. Like you could tell who wanted this one more, especially when uh, the herd was on offense. And I'm kind of here for it. You know, I'm glad that we saw a little bit more gut check stuff and and the uh, I'm fighting for the extra yard type stuff. It, it, it means a lot to the crowd when they see you, you know, fighting to get that extra yard for the first down. Defensively, Eli Neal has a big day. Nine tackles, leads the team five solo, one tackle for loss, a pass defended, and three quarterback hurries. Tack plays legs, eight tackles, three solo, a sack, one tackle for loss, and four more quarterback hurries. Uh, Charlie Gray, EJ Jackson, Abraham Boplan, all with six tackles apiece. Impact plays, sacks by Tyquette's legs and Sam Burton. Micah Abraham grabs an interception, and if by now you haven't seen when that occurred during the game, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then a fumble recovery uh, by Danes Miller. Chase Bryce started this game 1 of 10 passing. 1 of 10 passing. The, app went, the apps went 5 of 17 on third down, which is slightly above Marshall's season average of 29%. And they only allowed 14 points, but those both came on relatively short fields. So, there's not much you can say. This defense just came to work again and did their freaking job. Special teams. Uh, Reese Verhoff goes 4-4 on extra points. McConnell has six punts for a 38-and-a-half-yard average with a long of 45-1 lands in the 20. And then it gets weird. (laughs) Then it gets weird. Uh, Two big positives and two big negatives on, on special teams. We have a muffed punt that leads to eventually an App State touchdown. We have a kick return allowed for touchdown. (laughs) Then we block a punt that results in a Marshall touchdown. And we get a fumble recovery on the opening second half kickoff to give the herd possession immediately. So what a wild game from a special teams standpoint, Russ real quick. Let's revisit our keys to victory and then we'll get into those grades. What was your number one key to victory?
1: My keys to victory uh, were, number one, pressure on Chase Bryce. Uh, I don't know that Chase Bryce got as many sacks as Chase Bryce should have got. Should have gotten, yeah. Yeah, especially uh, in the end zone, uh, almost had him for a safety. He was able to hit the tight end uh, and extend that. They didn't get a first down off of it or anything. Uh, in fact, that was, if I remember correctly, the precursor to the block punt in the end zone. But um, we had him... And he started, like you said, one for 10 at one point. Uh, let me see when this was, because I've got it here as a note. Um, but as far as being in that 110, uh, one for 10, it was right before we had that botch punt return uh, where they got the ball on the 32. That's where he was one for 10. That was their final drive, almost took all the way into halftime. So Mm -hmm. before he hit a couple of people on that series, the guy was doing absolutely nothing. Uh, He didn't beat us during the game. I mean, I'm not talking about on the scoreboard, but even if they would have come back to tie, it wouldn't have been because of anything he was doing. We'll get into that. I'm saying that's a, a key right there that we hit was putting pressure on Chase Bryce.
0: Yeah, that was also my number one key to victory was you got to get, I said get to Chase Bryce, which we were ultimately, I guess, unable to do from a sacks standpoint. You only get two, but, geez, he squirreled out of like six more. Yeah. So they kept him under duress all day long, and starting out one of ten when you're talking about a senior quarterback that's played that much ball, you got to Chase Bryce. You did. And and we talked about the importance of having him turn the ball over a twenty four to five touchdown to interception ratio. We go up and get one in the end zone. We did our job, and so that's a definite check mark for me. What was your number two?
1: Number two, shut down the run. I say we did that. Yes, they got over a hundred yards. I believe it was one sixteen total. Uh, it took them forty attempts yep. to get to that two point nine average. That's shutting down the run and. You know, a lot of that was, like you had mentioned, Chase Bryce getting out of those sacks and just, you know, getting six yards here, seven yards there. That was some of it. Uh, Their Noel peoples, all those guys, they did not really do much of anything.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Nate Noel led their team with 72 rushing yards on the day, which is commendable against a herd run defense that, you know, basically allows that much on the season. But they couldn't do enough to sustain anything, especially when you're talking about their their passing game just being legitimately shut down for an entire half almost. And my number two key to victory was Cam Fancher must be a true dual threat quarterback. And he was exactly that. Passed the ball well, moved the chains, picked up the picked up a couple first downs on his with his legs a couple of times, extended some plays, only getting sacked one time is huge. So another stride in the evolution and development of Cam Fancher in a in a well, I don't want to call it a must win game, but from a fan base perspective, this was about as much must win as it can get. So that's a definite check mark, too. What was your number three? Score points.
1: Now I'm putting us in a check mark for that as well. We got 28 on uh, on the uh, game. Um, a lot. I mean, I would have liked to have seen us in the 30s, but hey, we won by seven. So who yep. cares?
0: Yep. Uh, I said our number three key to victory was to protect the football. And even though we had two turnovers we did that on offense I, th- I think cam's interception was a tipped ball so mm-hmm. you really can't tie that one to him per se unless it was just an you know abundantly inaccurate pass that you know our guy tipped but i didn't see that to be the the case really it was c- still kind of on target and the other one was the muff punt that hits the rear end of you know uh mcmillan and it is a turnover so it's a poor decision from that standpoint but Marshall still, by and large, took care of the football, so that's a total check mark for me. Uh, lastly, what do you got? Win the turnover battle. Now, officially, a block
1: punt is not considered a turnover, but or is it? I don't think that was the no, because no, uh, we didn't
0: get credit for a fumble recovery.
1: Yeah, uh, on that. So uh, I'm going to count that as a turnover. I Should don't think be. it, you know, uh, so that would have made it three to two. I'm going to count it on a technicality that we won the turnover battle. Um, and if not, we can say they turned it over on downs a couple of times more than we did. So there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a good reason to watch the video podcast instead <laughs> of the audio, because you're not going to see that. But uh, no, you're right. That even if it is all things being considered, we got points directly off of our created turnover. So that that's an edge to the herd. My number four was that we needed to be creative offensively without being gimmicky. And what happened? Marshall got gimmicky yet again and tried another weird play that resulted in a 16 yard loss to start the second half. And it also resulted in our quarterback having to trot off a little uh, dinged up. So please, for the love of God, get rid of the gimmicky plays. We don't need them. We do not need them. As far as getting creative, I don't know that we had to do too much there. Cam was making the right reads and making some good passes. He missed a few receivers that could have easily pushed us over that 30-point threshold that you wish we would have hit. A few receivers could have trotted into the end zone, but that's okay. You know, you still get the win. you still, you know, evolving as a quarterback, developing as a quarterback, and those will come. Those will come. So So I've
1: got got a quick aside to that. Okay. Um, Rewatching the game. Uh, I definitely wanted to see that play because as I had mentioned on the post game, I missed the kickoff. Mm -hmm. I got back into the stadium, getting through the line. It wasn't a long line. It was just, you know, trying to walk back in. Um, and as I looked up, we had the ball and it was 1453 on the clock. And I said, we must've, you know, gotten a, I don't know how, maybe they fumbled, maybe they threw an interception. Uh, I didn't know, but we had the ball. And Cam was, uh, on the ground by the time I got into my seat and we were back a lot further than what, when I had glanced up, uh, on the concourse and see. So I really wanted to watch that. And I watched it a couple times. And here's what I'm going to say. We have a lot of people saying, I wish that we weren't so predictable. And I wish that we would have, uh, you know, open up the playbook and, and run some plays that are going to catch us off, uh, catch the other team off guard. It did not work. And it did not work spectacularly. It right. failed bad. However, had the one guy not been fooled or he'd been blocked a little bit better, that could have looked like it was going to go for a big, uh, big gain. If that works, everyone is going to say, we came out, we recovered a, a kickoff. We went for the jugular, did something right off the bat. hey, this offensive coordinator and the play co- play calling, you know, that was great. Can't believe that we did that. Because it failed, and it failed so spectacularly, it looks much worse. But, everyone complains about, and I'm not saying you, but on, especially on message boards, social media, hear it in the stands, don't be predictable, don't be predictable. We do something, it did not work, and everyone is bitching now that we tried to do something. So, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not disputing what you're saying. This is more to go on top of what you're saying. One, don't run that unless you've got it down and you know to block that guy to make sure, you know, because you can see we lost 16 yards, I think, on that mm-hmm. one, maybe 18, Yep. Um, and almost got the QB hurt. So your point, 100%. I agree with it. But everyone saying we don't try anything, there you go you know, we did. And I'm not saying that we should have tried it. I'm saying everyone says (laughs) the attempt was made, right? Yeah. Everyone says, why don't we do stuff like that? Yeah. There there you go. So you can't have it both ways. Don't complain that we don't do anything. And then when we do
0: something, say, well, I want to complain because it didn't work. Yeah. That's my point. I think I would be far more okay with those types i get it man you get to you recover a fumble in the opening second half opening kickoff you want to go for a shot and try to put some distance between you and this team i get it and i'm all for it what i'm not for is these kind of gimmick plays that have failed spectacularly all season so Mm -hmm. maybe that's not our forte at this moment especially when you have a guy like Corey damage that can just about outbody any defender in the conference. And you've got a guy like Charles Montgomery who has torched that particular defense up until that point in the game already. So again, you can get creative with something without getting gimmicky because look, man, what, again, you're, what if, what if that hits great, but what if that hit puts cam out and now we're like, well, we were just starting to get it together. And now we're, you know, we're have to reshuffle and figure it out again. You- you can say that on every play. I can. And I'm, and I'm not, but I'm not defending us running that play.
1: I'm saying that no one would have bitched if we would have scored a touchdown on it and everyone would have praised that we tried something and it worked. Hindsight makes us fans say, well, we shouldn't do X because of Y. And again, this is not what you're saying. I'm saying <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone out here that's calling and saying, why are we not running this? Why are we not running that? We just ran it. We lost 16 yards, and we yeah. almost lost our quarterback.
0: That's right. We but, are running it. Well, we, we at least tried it, and it didn't yeah. work, right? Yeah, and we'll so. talk
1: more about play calling in the break. Now. <laughs> but I just wanted to say as an aside right there, when everyone is clamoring online that all we do is run it three straight times right up the middle, and then we punt. We have no creativity. This shows you that, yes, we do try things.
0: Yep. that's
1: all that's all I want to tell everybody
0: we did at least try it yeah you're right uh did you already cover your fourth I don't know we got into that real quick okay yeah we're
1: we're done with all those so
0: I'm not giving I'm 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 giving an x to the be creative without being gimmicky and I don't care if we tried it and it didn't work it just I don't want to see those gimmick plays man I really don't uh let's move on to some grades uh what do you got for um the quarterbacking in uh for 75 week
1: b solid b um The only real thing is we had three batted balls, one of which uh, all at the line of scrimmage. I'm not talking about tipped balls out in in the flats or anything like that. Three batted at the line of scrimmage. One went for an interception. Mm -hmm. One other one would have been real close to an interception. So that's one of these things. I don't know if that's on the quarterback, on the offensive line, on a mix of both. Um, but we really need to watch those because batted balls for an inter uh, for an interception can easily go for a pick six
0: in the right situation. Yeah, and this would have been one of those devastating ones, right? In a nipping yeah. type of game where you know uh, points were at a, even though there were a lot of points scored, they were still kind of at a premium, you know, because one team wasn't scoring with ease and the other team we were we were dominating them defensively, and they were still in that game you know still in that game.
1: Point of uh, order on that interception is they went for the end zone the very next play. Now mm-hmm. Abraham intercepted that one, but you know they were going for it right then and that truly would have turned that game around at that point. Yeah. So uh to to gain why he got to be you already mentioned it for his passing efforts were great, his decision decision making was great. He extended drives with his legs, he got first downs with his legs, he avoided sacks. Uh, the maturation that you see out of him this again is a red shirt freshman playing in his fourth full game mm-hmm. he came in either in garbage time or came in uh in red zone or running straight running opportunities in most of the early games this season in fact when we were talking on this show uh early in the season that they just keyed on the run even more when Fancher came in because they knew what was gonna happen. It was gonna be a zone read and he was either handing off to Laburn or he was gonna run it himself. They were just stacking eight in the box and it was killing Marshall every time that he came in. We've had people commenting on him throwing 78 yards or something like that uh in in uh one of the games since in these four. And that's when he had 136 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. Now he's doing a little bit of both. Yeah, he didn't have 136 yards rushing yesterday, but he was beating people with these legs and he was hitting these throws over the middle and over top of the defense, things we've been calling for all season long. And he's doing it and we weren't doing that before. We weren't even throwing them until these last four games when he's come in. So solid B, Really, the only thing I can take away is those batted balls. It would have been an A overall without that.
0: Yeah, a few batted balls at the line and a few, like I mentioned before, a few missed opportunities for huge gains and or potential touchdowns, you know, on those, uh, you know, shallow post routes or whatever. Like, But, dude, I'm not mad at that. I'm just not mad. I'll tell you what, in particularly, you know where I'm sitting in the far end zone towards the student section or towards the band that that end of the end zone and he throws that touchdown pass to Corey Gamage which I could not have been any farther away because it was mm-hmm. the direct opposite corner of the end zone and when he throws that ball I was like man that's a horrible throw and it was a beautiful throw <laughs> best, best throw you couldn't have <laughs> thrown it any better i mean no but you know, to it, me from you know 150 yards away it looked I was like, I don't know what I was thinking I was looking at, but I looked at the replay and I was like, dang, he dropped that bad boy right in the bucket. Like That was a beautiful ball. So now it's not just touch passes or it's touch passes along with a stronger arm and that deep downfield threat, hitting the middle seam routes, all of it, all of it. It's coming together nicely. So uh, B's fair you're one or two plays three plays away from being an a plus an a or an a plus effort so it's not there's not much you can get angry at offensively as a whole what do you got for the herd they finally find the end zone don't settle for field goals this is what we needed to see and we kind of saw it i had a b plus on them and
1: uh we had a couple of drops where uh fancher hit them right in the uh uh in the hands or at least where their hands should have been um we had some uh penalties on offense that were you know we had more penalties on uh um on defense and special teams but the pass interference which was not really pass interference on Gamish uh right before the half and then on uh, a holding call that when we started off on the 20 put us back on the 10 uh that was big as well so they get a b plus we could have ran a little bit better uh Laburn was really dinged up in this game. He mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't needed, but he just was not himself. Uh you could tell he came out several times favoring the uh the uh right shoulder as has been a problem the last couple of games and you saw pain come in more um so it could have been better, but what are you going to do? Nitpick, B plus, yeah. you know, just watch your watch your holding penalties and watch your pass interference phantom calls, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh,
0: that that offensive pass interference call on Corey really reminds me of, like, back when Shaq was playing ball, and yeah. he's just bigger than everybody else, so everything just looks like it's um, magnified, you know, because he's a little bit bigger and stronger, so his, his movements, you know, are accentuated. But like I told you at the house, it didn't look to me so much as a push off as him just extending his own arms, kind of creating distance. He wasn't pushing the defender away. So, but I get it. He's a big bodied guy. And whenever a, uh, an official sees the arms get extended, the immediate reaction is, well, that must be a push off. And I didn't see it that way. I didn't see, um, the defender being eliminated from the play because of, Corey's push i saw it as just a simple extension of the arm to create some distance oh and by the way he caught that ball towards the sideline twisting so that that defender i don't know what he would maybe grow a third arm to try to make a play on that ball but it wasn't going to happen anyway. It's just a bad call yeah uh but i love it i mean the, the, the red zone uh offensive scoring was finally there today or Saturday versus trying to settle for those field goals. And we needed that. We needed that. And I can't go back to overstating the opening drive was exactly what Herd fans needed to see. They needed to see this team go on a almost seven-minute drive to open a game, go right down the field, punch it in the end zone, and walk off with a seven-to-nothing lead midway through the first quarter. It's exactly what we needed. Defensively, what do you got for this Herd defense? A-minus, other
1: than penalties, Nothing bad. Uh, I mean, even those weren't bad, but you've got to watch those. You know, mm-hmm. we had a we had a couple of them, and they were pass interference calls and some other things that we just really, really need to dial all of those in. We're talking about um, the batted balls would have made Fancher have better. The offense would have been better without their penalties. The defense would have been better without their penalties. These Marshall beaters, as Huff calls them, they will beat you if a couple of things go differently in this game, you know,
0: so a and, minus. So And they have, I, you know, we've seen yeah. that, that those, those plays in other games have beaten Marshall. And I can't
1: say enough about the defense to what they did to gain that a minus against a very good app offense. They just neutralized it all. And we'll talk about it. They scored from the 32. They scored from the 50. And mm-hmm. they scored on a punt return, which was not against the defense. So this defense gave up fourteen points. Yep. When they had the ball on, let me run these off real quick. Uh, app states twenty, they punted. App states forty-seven, they punted. The MU forty-six, they punted. The fifty turnover on downs. The MU thirty-three, an interception. The app twenty-eight, they punted. The MU thirty-two touchdown finally app state seven we got that block punt the app state 25 they punted the 50 they got the touchdown um the app 34 turnover on downs and finally the app 25 turnover on downs. so they had it on the 50 twice and in hours three additional times they had it on their short end of the field five times they came out with two touchdowns amazing effort by this defense. Yeah.
0: If this if this uh defense is given a long field to work with, it's almost a near impossibility to to sustain a drive, a drive mm-hmm. in a game, yeah. much less two or three. Uh, the only gripe that you can really have on that defense is you have at third and 26 or third and 27 and they somehow get a 25 yard gain to be able to go fourth and one and be able to get that touchdown other than that what the heck can you gripe about <laughs> <laughs> nothing just, just, just the penalties and yeah you know just the penalties one of those there were two pis early in that game one was egregious and i completely agreed with but the second one i did not agree with right we can talk about the you know everybody thinks the referees are against their team i don't think that they were against our team i just don't think they were very good overall in this one they uh, missed a really good game they should have sat up there with me because uh because i saw a good game they apparently yeah. missed it they missed a really good non-called face mask late in that game as well i might add but that's okay that's okay.
1: I I did not get to that point on my rewatch, as I told you, I didn't get to watch the entire game. But I have heard other people say that they went back and watched it several times. And if you're watching on our YouTube, they got it on the collar of the uh, shoulder pad, is what they said. And when they turned it, he turned his head as well. Uh, so the entire upper body turned, but the ref was immediately. I looked at him. He was shaking his head no. Uh, before the the tackle even was finished, he was shaking his head no to say that was not a face mask. I'm gonna give him that one because I have a minute he's, close. been at, he's I closer. <laughs> well, not only he's closer, but someone else that is a fan of ours, before I got to go watch it again with my own eyes, I'm not there yet on my rewatch, mm-hmm. uh, that he said that it was not on the face mask. I have to believe one of our fans would not blindly, you know, come up with that to uh take up for a ref. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's but, a hell of a hell of a hill to die on. I'll tell you Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to say that I have to believe that that actually was not a face mask, but I would have uh pummeled that ref mercilessly <laughs> in the parking lot, uh dying on that hill from my point of view, saying yeah. it
0: was uh special teams grade might be the weirdest one because there are four major impactful plays two massive negative plays for the herd and two massive positive plays for the herd what do you got c minus wow yeah. <laughs> um
1: the the benefits are of course the block punt yeah and the recovery uh of their fumble but that recovery of their fumble we didn't hit that guy he just botched. He it. just now, dropped it. Yeah. Now we picked it up, and that's Johnny on the spot. Good job for us. But the major thing, obviously, was the block punt. Uh, it came at the very good time. We almost got one earlier in the game, but that one in particular, as you said, he almost took it off his foot, Shadid mm-hmm. Ahmed, and uh, we were right there. We had two, if not three, guys ready to pounce on that to their zero. Uh, Their punter was the only one back there and he was in no shape to pick that ball up. And even if he does, what's he going to do with it? Uh, We, that was a massive good thing. The punt return situation for us um, where again, we're out to leak Keaton. Yep. And not that Caleb McMillan is not going to be the announcers even said, you know, he's capable, he's a good punt returner, but when you don't have the experience doing it, these are some things that will happen. Doug, Doug Chapman said that during the game, during the rewatch. And um he just did not get out of the way. We also had running into the yep. uh uh Green McKnight ran into uh the punt returner who had called for the fair catch, and that gave them 15 extra yards. Um, and then of course, what was the other
0: major thing that you had mentioned? Oh, the, or what the, the kick return for a touchdown?
1: The kick return for a touchdown. Now that was a good returner, Um, but again, it happened, you know, it's right after the block punt. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes those are going to happen, but you know, I can't.
0: I can't not let it affect the grade. So C minus. Well, it has to affect the grade. I mean, that's legitimate points allowed. And, and it happened just as we blew the roof off with the block punt for touchdown, the ensuing kickoff gets returned for a touchdown.
1: And also the punting, we had a couple that were, uh, not outright shanks, but they were just not really good average punts. Uh, so that, that took a little bit off too. I might've been as far as a C and even C on there, but, uh, more
0: negative than positive just because of that even though we had great positives sure but you also had great negatives so even if those cancel themselves out you're looking at a running into the kick return or the punt returner or kick catch interference whatever they call it yeah and uh so there were some other things that just le- ultimately a lot of those things not a lot of them, but some of them were just indecisiveness or bad decisions so you know if if mcmillan wants to make a fair catch well it the ball's poison at that point and you want to get away from it so it's it kind of looked like ah, do i want to try do i not and then by then it was too late uh green mcknight's trying to make a play i get it but you see that hand go up dude you got to veer off left or right i mean if the guy catches the ball and takes off he's going to get a leg game there's going to be a penalty called on him you just you know i get it but still these are the things that in certain games you know they can bite you uh, but I will say this about that block punt: Any time you come off the edge and you don't even have to lay out to get the ball, you know you're you did something right. I mean, literally, he was a uh, half a step away from just being able to snatch that ball right off the top of the foot. And it roll looked it. like a looked like a video game. <laughs> it did. It really yeah. did. It was an amazing play. Great job by Shadita Med making an impact on special teams. That was really really cool. All right, the coaching grade this week. What do you got? A minus. Uh, I felt
1: I felt like uh the emotion that they showed on the sideline, especially you and I talked about it, Coach Huff, uh, on that block punt. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh having the team prepared, having a game plan, um we put ourselves in a position where up 14 to nothing and until that botched punt uh catch, it looked like we were maybe having a chance to go down and put it make it 21 to nothing before the half.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, very good. I don't. I can't remember why when I put this down as a minus that I was taking anything off, and it could have been because of the trick play that didn't work. Um, but again, if that works, you know, we're all sitting here going, "Man, we we came in, went for the blood, we showed, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to do this." A minus uh very good especially earlier in the season uh and still having some idiots out there saying we need to fire the entire coaching staff or in particular uh certain coaches um A minus and well, I just want one... to cl- I want to clarify I've not said that not one time <laughs> I've been defending our coaches I'm just saying there are people out there uh
0: saying yeah we won but we didn't get a touchdown everybody needs to be fired that's yeah. stupid I've got 3 points to make on this grade right number 1 Excellent job overall for um, putting together a game plan that worked, right? This is the one that Marshall had to have. And I'd said before in other recaps that if Marshall's record is just flipped a little bit and we're losing games on the road and winning at home, the fan base is probably a little happier. So in order to quiet some of those, you know, more vocal negative voices, this one was kind of a must win. Mm -hmm. And it's 75 week. It should be a must win anyway. Not that all of them aren't must win you want to win them all obviously but you know what I mean and number two I've got to say a special special congratulations to Doug Chapman for being so even keeled during the because you know he was excited and jacked up to be watching this game but having to call it and not let any of that emotion shine through to show any type of bias to the herd Um, outstanding job Doug because You know, he gets it. He knows what it means to be playing App State. He knows what it means to be playing 75-week. He knows. So, an outstanding job of professionalism by Doug Chapman. During the
1: rewatch, my wife commented and said, why is it that we are the only announced team that shows any kind of neutral or, you know, uh, gets things? And I, I told her, I said, Doug has done this nationally. He has been objective. Uh, he's done this for a long time. Everyone else just gets two homers, maybe even picks them up out of the parking lot before the game and says, <laughs> hey, go out here and talk about your team. You yeah. know? But uh, you're right. Kudos to Doug. I mean, it, it is not unnoticed how, uh, and I'm, I'm not talking about Chad uh, Bush uh, because he mispronounced Appalachian. Uh, if you're going to be down here in Appalachia, you better call it what it is,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, and, uh, uh, but Doug hundred percent with you on that.
0: That was just cool to me because the block punt particularly, you know, that just makes you want to jump up and cause it's a high energy play. And, uh, you know, he's around these guys all the time, every day. And it was just a great job by him. The last thing I wanted to say, which I forgot briefly, let me see if I can bring it back to my skull because we were (laughs) were singing the praises of Chapman there. I can't remember what I was going to say. Dang it. I had it again and I lost it again. Oh, well, maybe it'll come back. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, this is not a slight at anyone in particularly, but I saw some comments uh, post game that were to the effect of coach Huff finally gets it, what it means to be a coach here. And I can't get behind that because He, you, this is all part of the interview process. You know what you're getting into. He knew what it meant. And I, and I made the comment that, no, I think he always knew, but more of the fan base is just giving him credit for knowing quote unquote what it means. Yeah. Cause he went, cause he won the 75 week game. So if he lo- if we lose that game, he still doesn't know what it means to be the coach right. at Marshall. Come on, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is, the, what are we doing here? What are we doing? The man Let- is charged with leading our program. And an individual win and an individual loss does not define whether or not he gets it. Okay. He gets it. He knows what it means. He knows what this game means. He knows what the program means to the community, what the community means to the program, his players mean to the community, all that. He knows all that. So can we just give the man credit for being a good coach and putting together a game plan to go out and win a game that he knows that the fans wanted? He knows that the alumni wanted and that the players wanted. I mean, I just just couldn't get behind that comment.
1: Let me speak on that. I know people that were in on the interview with Coach Huff. Mm -hmm. I know what was said during that interview. From that alone, I can tell you the man got it back then. I personally have spoken to Coach Huff. It's on our social media. You can see photos that I took uh, Yes. Uh, fan fanboy I, I said I need to get a selfie with you coach um <laughs> uh, but I can tell you that the man gets it he gets a lot more than anyone would ever give him credit for he knows about this community he knows about this school he knows about the fans he knows the struggle that the fans may have you know trying to make, make it to every game. I mean, you know, he knows that it's a a small population here and that we're not going to have a hundred thousand people here. And he doesn't expect that we're going to have a hundred thousand people here because of everything that goes into that, the population, the, you know, all of that, we have had a very good uh, discussion. The man is as real as it gets. He's as honest as it gets. And if, if we're not giving him the credit just because, You know, we didn't go undefeated two years in a row or, you know, we didn't win every single game we should have won two years in a row. That's not a good reason to say that the man doesn't understand what the 75 game means and all that. He, I mean, you can see on social media, he has been up to the site, the crash site. He has been at the cemetery. You know, I have personally heard him talking to me about the 75 the man gets it, end of story. You know, uh, don't know what else I can tell you is you're just going to have to trust me or go talk to the man himself, you know? Yeah.
0: I think what I was, I just found it odd that it all of a sudden we win this one game and that means, oh, he finally gets it.
1: Well, I think some of that too was uh, the emotion that he showed in the uh, post-game press conference that that was the reason that people finally said that, but just because he didn't do that before and cameras weren't there to capture it, you know, doesn't mean that he didn't get it. You know, we, we haven't seen what he's been telling these guys in the locker room for, for two plus years, you know, um, I, the, the man has got it. It didn't take a a victory.
0: Like you said, to show that. That's right. Uh, how about the fans? What a great weekend for everyone involved with the Marshall family. Um, what do you got for everyone this week? I've got an A. Um, we had twenty four
1: thousand people there in Arctic sub zero temperatures. It was mm-hmm. negative. It was negative thirty two. <laughs> I, um, I was. I had eighteen layers on. And I was still cold. Yeah. So I. So I know everyone else was still cold, and they still showed up. wasn't a sellout, but over eighty percent were there. Uh, and the ones that were there. We had "We Are Marshall" going several times. We were loud on third down all game long. Uh, our energy was there. Um, it was it was great.
0: Yep, it sure was. It was an all around wonderful crowd to be a part of. Uh, several resounding, loud "We Are Distinctive Marshall" chants, and it was really soul cleansing to hear that. You know, it just it feels good. I I, I made the comments before that. You know, whenever I come into Jones C. Edwards Stadium now that I don't get to do it all the time, for a brief moment, for a brief few seconds, as I just walk into the concourse and open up and you walk through the tunnel and see the field, it's a really special feeling now, you know, because I don't get to do it all the time. It was always great. I always enjoyed it, but I did it, you know, all the time. And now I don't get to do it all the time and it really means something. So to have the weekend stack up the way it did for me personally was was really great. And I have to give a special shout out to all the app fans that made the trip in those Mm -hmm. equally Mm -hmm. terrible conditions and sat there and cheered on their team to a hard fought loss, unfortunately for them. But as a college football fan, this is the game. These are the games you want, you know, a, a two evenly matched teams that don't like each other, but they do respect one another. And they fight tooth and nail and it means something. And this is a game moving forward. We thought, we all thought and hoped that this game, App State and Marshall, would be what it used to be in the Southern Conference. And we saw a little bit of it, you know, these past two years at an out of as an out of conference game. And I think we're going to be pretty right in our assumption that this is going to shoot right back to the top of must see games in the in the Sunbelt Conference moving yeah. forward. This was a great game and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to go into Boone next year. Um, it's, it's, I'm circling that one on the calendar, you know, yep. even if I can only make one trip to Huntington, I want to go to Boone. Yeah. So we should start making our arrangements now for Thundercast live in Boone, North Carolina. Jed, you better get your stuff do your travel arrangements in line because we I, need to do it uh do it, do an away game. I can't wait to be driving right behind the production truck on the way down there. <laughs> We're going to have to get some, uh, <laughs> some, uh, The uh, like magnetic signs put on this truck. So, you know, we all look official and legit. Like we are an actual production van just rolling down there. That'd be pretty awesome.
1: Maybe rent one of those little, uh, U-Haul, uh, towable trailers and, (laughs) uh, and put magnets all over it
0: (laughs) under Casla.
1: There you go. Uh, who's your offensive MVP this week? Fancher. He had drives of 80, which you mentioned. A second one was 80 that started off with a, uh, 10 yard holding penalty. So really it was a 90 yard drive Mm -hmm. at that point. And then the last one was 82 to help seal the game. Uh, And we already talked about dual threat. He did it, MVP. Now, we had a lot of good plays and a lot of good players, but uh, your quarterback is generally your leader of the team, and I got to give it to him.
0: Yep. Uh, We've seen a trajectory of what some would perceive as an improvement in the offensive line because of the last two weeks they've combined for one sack. Nothing nothing given up against Old Dominion and one against Appalachian State, um, you know, and I think it's the mobility of Cam that's helping aid in some of those, um, quote unquote, improvements. These guys are the same guys they were. They're just getting the benefit of a little bit more of an elusive quarterback right now. But great because it's, it's all uh, positive for the herd. I think you're right. Cam Fancher is the offensive MVP. I'd like to give a special recognition, of course, to Charles Montgomery and Cam Fancher for do, or not uh, um, 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 Corey Gamage for making big plays. Yep. And Corey was a rip-off OPI from having a more even gaudy stat line for Cam and a stat line for himself. So you take that one away. And you know, Corey's up there with half a dozen catches and well over a hundred yards. And, and almost, and a, and almost a touch.
1: Sorry. I was just going to say, almost unequivocally, we have another point on the board, either yeah. from a field goal or a touchdown right there, and then somebody else is getting more points uh, for it.
0: But anyway, yeah. sorry. No, it's all right. Cam's going to be pushing up over that 260 mark at that point, probably for the game. So one play taken away makes a stat line extra gaudy for two of those guys. But Cam's the offensive MVP. Continued development. I love it. Go herd. Uh Defensive MVP, who you got? I could have put several people on here. I'm going to start out
1: with a shout-out to uh, Taco's legs. Um, Not just showing on the stat line, this would show just as a tackle, but he had an open field tackle to preserve not giving up a first down on one of those short field uh, drives that they had, and that prevented them from getting the first down and changing this game and everything uh, that, that is on top of his tackles for loss and the energy that he brought, uh, the double teams that he brought, uh, all the, all the big stuff that he was doing, but he tackled their running back in the open field by himself to preserve getting a first down. But I'm giving the defensive player of the game to Micah Abraham. You said we were going to talk about when he did this. So I'm going to let you talk but he, uh, he intercepted one in the end zone and just shutting down their receivers as he always
0: has. Well, apparently he was covering the second coming of Randy Moss, according <laughs> to some, yeah. but uh, not according to Doug Chapman. Way to go, Doug, for sticking up for your boy and – uh you know, pr- maintaining the greatness of one Randy Moss. Not every guy that comes through the college football that's six foot four and a little bit of uh you know speed in him is, is cut from the mold of Randy Moss. But yeah, um that was <laughs> that was good. If you go back watch the replay or on that interception, just go listen to the audio. <laughs> Doug sticking up for the herd grades. I love that shout out Doug Chapman once again in this game. But yes uh leg since his return from injury has been nothing short of a vital element into this defensive line making plays week in and week out excellent pick from micah abraham getting that interception uh, picking off a guy that's really hard to intercept and uh i must say that was probably the prettiest pass of the day by chase bryce it was a beautiful pass directly to micah abraham
1: I, I thought when I was throwing it to you, you were going to talk about when he intercepted at the I
0: time. Am. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I am. If That's you didn't, it, that's <laughs> the only mistake I'll ever make on this show. No, the, the beautiful pass lands right into the breadbasket of Micah Abraham. And as the play is blown dead and the change of possession occurs, you look up on the clock. And it's frozen at 11 minutes, 14 seconds in the second quarter with Marshall up seven to nothing. So the scoreboard again reads 11, 14, 70. Just as it did in 2015 after a first quarter touchdown run by Remy Watson to make the scoreboard read 11 14 70. I don't think these are happenstances. You know, I'm not one for whatever you want to categorize it, but it it, that's just a um that's an anomaly that now is stopping starting to not just be an anomaly. It, it, I talked going in about. Something always happens in 75 week games that doesn't always happen that you point to and go, yep, it's 75 week. And you have that, which is a a glaring facet. And then you have the blocked punt for touchdown that doesn't always happen. And then you really don't have the, you know, follow that up with a kick return touchdown that doesn't always happen. I mean, 75-week is its own animal, man, and, and I'm so glad it's ours because uh, nobody's got this story, nobody has this game, and uh, nobody gets to cherish those experiences like Herd fans do. What a great, great weekend. Special teams MVP, who's your guy?
1: Shadid Ahmed. What more can be said for what he did? We talked about it already. Um, I mean, nobody's going to top that, you know, uh, during that game, what he did. So, uh again looked like a video game man looked like you're looked like you're playing uh with uh, lawrence taylor you know coming off the the edge untouched
0: and uh he's our uh special teams mvp yeah beautiful play i can't i can't talk about that one enough that was just awesome and shout out to shadid for you know finding ways to make plays in the game you know we've seen I guess a little bit of a cut in reps for him at the wide receiver standpoint. There's not as many targets. I guess maybe that's what you say. There's just not as many targets going his way. Some other guys are emerging. So, shout out to him for finding a way to make a big, big impact in another facet of the game. Uh, What do you got for some final thoughts on this 75-week game against App State?
1: I can't say anything more. Um, Fans showed up reasonably with the weather conditions um we won convincingly we probably could have won even more convincingly um uh, we we just seem like we're back to where we were earlier in the season um and a lot of that is you know had we had bancher again i don't think that uh i think that he would be even more polished right now um can't take away anything over the the Notre Dame win that Columbia helped do, but we just hit a bad patch there. Of his, it just didn't seem like a good fit with his game with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I think you said it earlier it's not just the offensive line has gotten better because they have had, they have gotten better. Um, but I think his game was not suited to what they were doing and the struggles they were going through as well. Fancher is now three and one, and had we had a better start to that coastal game, may have been four and zero in his four starts. And a lot of our red shirt freshman quarterbacks that we've had over the years have not done that in their first four games and shown the growth that that he has shown. I know the stats aren't there yet. He's not throwing for 300 every game and he's got, you know, more interceptions on the season than he has touchdowns and I get that. But he's doing he's leading us to victories. I mean, we had three drives 80 80 which was really 90 and 82. Um everything's looking up, so that's that's just I mean, everything with the 75 week, all that part about it. I just can't even talk about it anymore because of the weekend. I'm kind of exhausted from <laughs> not not from talking about it, but I mean yeah. just the the emotion. is it's a lot that went I, on. I cried during the pregame video, which I do every every year. No shame in me saying that. Um, I'm just I'm exhausted by all the emotion and and everything from that game. So I, I just can't even talk about it anymore.
0: So I have a couple of things that I want to talk about basically from the weekend, not just this game. Number one, um, I love the fact that this is now called a tribute game. So we get to equally have, have a have a moment of remembrance and reflection and then have a equal amount of time to, you know, show some appreciation for what happened in 71, moving forward, because it was all about, like we said in Thundercast Live, from ashes to glory. And you have to have that to glory part in there for that statement to hold true. So I love the move. I love the pregame. Uh, the, the video was great. Uh, these uniforms are gorgeous. Uh in, in fact, I don't know if you saw, I put it out there on social media it, for those of you that follow UniSwag. Herd was number one on the Uniswag countdown this week. And that's a that's kind of a cool deal, you know. Um, the coolest part of the game. I always have to figure out a way to work my man into the game. Owen Porter playing Iron Man football for the herd. Just another aspect of this dude being a straight throwback. They line him up in the backfield, changes jersey number to 43 on those down and goal situations, and he's in there elite blocking and then comes right in, throws back on the double nickels jersey and is out there rushing from the edge. What an awesome facet to this herd offense and defense, this whole entire herd team. Owen Porter in 2022 is playing Ironman football. How cool (laughs) is that? He's actually
1: been doing that the last few games. Yeah, no, I'm just
0: saying that that is cool to me. That is so cool to me.
1: Yeah, because one uh, the last home game uh, against Coastal, I looked down and I was like, "We don't have two O dot (laughs) porters," you know. And (laughs) I and and I was like, I was like, "Oh!" And then he went in, you know, because they they had put the forty three on him, so they they just put the forty three in right over top of the fifty five, and you know, sometimes it's late minute that or last second, I should say. So
0: uh, the, la- the last thing I would like to say about this weekend is I had an opportunity before my flight went out on Monday to go to the fountain ceremony. And uh, it was really, really well put together, as you would expect. Marshall would put together a top-notch uh, program for that. Uh, if you had the opportunity to live stream it, uh, I hope that you did because it was Quite poignant. Uh, keynote speaker uh, got me all choked up because, you know, he uh, talked about some things that I could relate to as far as, you know, being a dad and having having sons and stuff like that. And um, if that's available still somewhere, I don't know if Marshall like archives those and you can watch them on demand but man, I I would not be mad if I could go back and watch that again and listen to that keynote speech again and listen to the words from, you know, Brad Smith and coach Huff and Christian. I mean, it was, it was a really, really nice ceremony. So it was a perfect cap off to the weekend. Uh, I'm just so glad that I was able to make the trip, uh, this anytime I can come to Huntington, it's kind of like a soul cleansing, you know, thing. I get a deep breath and, this just kind of took it to another level, but um, it was just an overall a plus weekend for me. I got to hang with you. I got to see your family. I got to hang with some old friends. I got to watch the herd win, I got to go to the fountain ceremony. It was great. It was just great. So thank you, Huntington. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you, Russ living for another great weekend. Um, we're going to come at you here in a couple of days with, uh, well, probably tomorrow. We're going to try to get in tomorrow and we'll, we'll bring in the, um, the preview for Georgia Southern, and we'll take you around the herd with what's been going on this week. Uh, we knew this episode was going to be long, so we just straight up decided to split it into two. But, so, Russ, if you ain't got nothing else, go ahead and take us out of here on this one.
1: Yeah, no matter if you see us uh, at the cam, you see us at the dot, you see us over at the Joan, or you see us freezing our tookuses off at okay, Tukai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tukai. I, we'll go with Tukai. Freezing her guy. off in easily negative 82-degree weather uh, at Thundercast Live, eating some really good chili, I must say. No matter where you see us, we're going to be shouting,
0: go hurt, Go hurt. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you tomorrow. Later.